guys. Hello. Well, welcome to a rather fitting episode that we're doing of uh, The Film Room. Uh, Y'all may have noticed there have been you know, a few gaps in weeks lately, uh, though I've been trying to um, make up for that with some blog entries, uh, and I've, I've had really great response to that. Guys, I really love that, and I'm going to keep doing them. Uh, as inevitably, some, inevitably, my more positive ones did not get the same response that my more negative ones did, but man, that's that's par for the course. Yeah, our, our schedules have been pretty rocky. Like I just I just lost the entire weekend due to having to take care of my sister's peppy, and I'm dealing with a pregnant wife. You have to understand this is going to be the case. We don't want y'all to how to be robbed of content though. Um, I've got th- uh, just for the record, we have two casts guaranteed banked. We have uh, a third cast we're going to record next week. Our lives have been chaos. This is not our full-time job, and we do feel bad about that. So we want to. So that kind of makes today's cast subject fitting, and, and and we want to tell everybody that some of the casts that we've talked about publicly, we will get to. Uh, it took us a while to get to uh, dope. Uh, it took us a bit to get to Huevos, uh, and both both were films we greatly enjoyed. So you know it's worth it. Um, we're, we're, we 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 have a couple of really fun casts coming for y'all. Um, but you could say that we've been mired in a form of development hell with this cast. Getting episodes <laughs> out has been tricky. Um, because that's what today's subject is. Today's subject is the nightmare that is development hell. This is this is something that we're all very familiar with, and uh, it's what happens when a movie that's planned and announced just doesn't happen. Or if it does happen, it happens many years later, which often is the case. What gets movies trapped in the process between being announced and being produced? What happens there? And we're also going to take a moment to look at the uh, related trope of movies that have sat on the shelf. Uh, in general, waiting. In general, in, in general, waiting. Uh, that's that's kind of the big theme of this cast is when we have to wait for movies, sometimes forever. Part of the reason that this is very effective is we're recording this on the morning of May tenth. Um, for those who are unaware, this is the date that Deadpool is hitting its uh, Blu-ray and DVD release. It's been on digital for about a week or so. Oh yeah, cool. Too strong response. Deadpool is an interesting example. Yes, it is. Deadpool sat in development hell for years. Like, I don't think people know how long Deadpool has sat in development hell. It, it was a movie that uh, it was planned and announced shortly there, uh, shortly after X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, for the record, they immediately made the announcement that, yeah, we're going to junk the original. Uh, you know, we're not going to have anything to do with that version. Uh, the only thing that they carried over, of course, was Ryan Reynolds who has been very passionate about making it, uh, has been attached, I think, pretty much since they announced an adaptation of any form, he's been attached. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is reason to wonder if maybe this wasn't a case where there were some contractual obligations that meant that they had to make it at a certain point. But even then, I think that it's kind of passed. I mean, it's it's pretty generally agreed, actually, that's not the case. You just have to ponder the theory. But Reynolds has been attached to it from the word go. Reynolds has been bound and determined to make it. The studio, they commissioned a script. And here's how long ago the script was commissioned. I might have met, Ama- I might have met-, I might have met Amanda after I read it. 
Wow. I, I seriously want to point that out. That's how long it took the movie to get made. The reason that this is notable, though, is that, okay, the movie did so long in development hell, but funny thing, it's also currently the highest grossing film of the year. Mm. Yeah, Deadpool was a huge, enormous hit. Um, honestly, it's one of the stupider examples of a movie being in development hell because the character was provably popular. Uh, his merchandise was already selling. His uh, comics were huge hits. The video game that they did based on him was a huge, massive hit. Oh yeah, that's a that's a really fun one too. I played it before uh, the movie came out. That probably has a lot to do with all with, with why it was. I actually really the video game probably has a lot to do with it because the video game was so popular. Um, at least as licensed games go uh, that aren't named uh, Batman. Um, yeah, this is. <laughs> This is a case where this movie should have been made, and it makes logical sense to for it to have been made. But, you know, Fox sat on it. I mean, here's how... And here's how much like the sitting on the shelf in terms of waiting for the film to get made. Like, okay, you would expect that, okay, in all those years, it must have been heavily rewritten and it must have been heavily altered. Really, the script Not that... Really. really, the script that I read was... 80% the final film. I mean, they made some tweaks here and there, but most of the key scenes were there. I will say this. There was a running Amy Winehouse joke that got cut for very obvious reasons. Yeah. Can't do that. And wasn't funny in the first place, just to be clear. Uh, it wasn't funny in the first place. Sure as hell isn't funny now. But, like, I mean, seriously, most of... Really, most of it was there. Um, the groundwork was there in the script. Uh, the original writers are still involved in it in fact they're uh, coming back to do the sequel yeah, yeah that's kind of the funny thing is everybody that was involved in the film during the long de delay is being rewarded for once by being allowed to come back and actually do the second one but deadpool is a prime example of development hell it's a movie that sat on the shelf for so long in terms of getting developed i mean now in terms of when it was actually made to when it was actually released very quick very very quick but so i mean you kind of have to sit there and go okay here was a movie that was an enormous hit what is why does this happen um what's interesting about deadpool is okay it was an enormous hit a lot of movies that have been in development hell and came out have been enormous flops because there's another side that i could point out uh, john carter of mars was in development for literally decades it came out yeah it caused disney to make some serious reevaluations of how they ran their studio so i mean it can go any way so you you see here what we're dealing with the, the point that i'm trying to make is you it's not a barometer of if movies are good it's not a barometer of if they're bad for the record john carter is okay development hell is just this bizarre complicated thing so today we're going to look at some of our favorite movies that have been, uh, that could be favorite movies, our favorite projects, how about that, that are stuck in development hell, and the ones that got out. Yeah, I know one that, uh, one famous example is uh, uh, Superman Lives. Yeah. Um, let, let's... There's a documentary on that. And I highly recommend it because it is fascinating. In fact, let's start right off the bat by establishing one ground rule. Virtually every single project that gets in development hell is 
a property that's a previously existing property. It's an adaptation. It's a sequel. It's a remake. Original scripts do not go into development. Hell, if an original script is, gets there and it starts to stutter and you know there, nothing really comes of it, I've got bad news. That project isn't in development. Hell, it's dead. Right. Uh, because there, because there's really very little financial incentive for the studio to keep working on something that's a complete unknown. You can at least have some idea of if a movie is worth taking out based on the popularity of the previously existing fan base. Again, I think I think that really powerful fan base that Deadpool had finally forced Fox to pull the trigger. That and the famously leaked uh, um, test footage, which it's widely believed was done by the director. Widely believed and. And sort of wink, wink, semi-confirmed. Yeah, he's he's made it pretty clear. Almost definitely he did. And you know what? I don't blame the guy, because that was great test footage. It was, yeah. And it, you know, of course, was what wound up being the opening of the movie, more or less. So, you know, mm-hmm. go figure. Uh, yeah. That was, it was good footage to, to leak. It was a good, it was a good, it was a good fair way to sell people on the movie, because that was, in fact, what they got. Right, exactly. Also, I cannot say enough good about that costume. Even even though the costume actually differs a bit, the red is the red is more pronounced and bright in the uh, final movie costume. But yeah, there's a lot they got right with Deadpool. Um, but we, we don't need y'all. Don't need us. You've seen it already. Judging by the box office, yeah. you've obviously seen it. Um, but anyway, let's getting back to what I was saying. It has to be an original property, or if it has to be a previously existing property, because very few times, now there are exceptions, there are scripts that people really love and really do try to push through, but there's not that many. Really, there's just not, because there's no incentive. Now, if it's, say, a pet project of a director, that's one thing, but those are passion projects and those are their own tricky, bizarre thing. Like, Gangs of New York would definitely count as a development hell project. Yeah. Based on history, but, you know, original. And I, I, I think we could argue if that's a case of something that should have or shouldn't have come out. So, again, you have that. You have these, the, these works that occupy both sides. So, as I said, these are almost all uh, adaptations. Um they're almost all like brand names that people acquire. That's that's very common. And a lot of the times what gets them out is that the rights to the property are uh, about to collapse. You know, they're about to lose the rights. And usually there's severe payments that have to be put out. Let's insert the clip from Animaniacs. Animaniacs. We have pay or play contracts. That's usually what gets things out is uh, there's contracts there. Famously, Zorro, the Mask of Zorro, only came out because uh, it was in development for many years because it would actually cost less to make it than it would to abandon it. That's just how, like, that's just how severe. Like, if they were to abandon it, they would have lost so much money and they would have had so many people that they would be obligated to pay that it was cheaper to make it. Funny how that works. Yeah, and I, I mentioned this before on another cast, um, but yeah, that's it's funny how that works. That y- you'll get into this situation. So again, you know what usually happens is the rights are coming due, and it's like, well, we have to make it. Sin City Two, I can guarantee you, only happened 
because uh, the Weinstein's made a deal with Robert Rodriguez of, okay, you're going to, we'll finance this, this, and this for you, but you have got to, uh, you have to make Sin City 2 and uh, you have to make Spy Kids 4. Like I, I could pretty much guarantee you those two, because it was very suspicious how Sin City 2, after a certain amount of years, suddenly got going. And honestly, I, I don't dislike that movie as much as a lot of people, but you can definitely feel that there's a strong measure of, I'm not really feeling this movie in it. You can feel that Rodriguez's heart isn't quite in it, uh, especially in the fact that the script, you know, he pr- I, it's not really clear who actually wrote the script for the first one, but Frank Miller has sole screenwriting credit on this one, aside from Rodriguez, I think, has a story credit. Yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah, that's not a good sign that Hollywood decided we're going to uh, let Frank Miller write something again. But that only happened, I assure you, because of the fact that, again, that's it. the contracts are coming due. Yeah. So, yeah, as I said, there that's the only way that these movies get out is the rights come due or the studio gets desperate and needs a project that's in some form of uh, larval. You know, like it's almost ready to go. Um, for those who have wondered why the movies of 2009 sucked so badly and you had such baffling movies getting made, and I think I've mentioned this before. Again, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but you all need to have this hammered into you. It was the Writers Guild strike. It was what did we have? What did studios have that they were ready with that they could actually go with? Like what did they have filmable mm-hmm. scripts for? You think Dragon Ball Evolution ever would have gotten made if Fox wasn't desperate for a movie? Holy shit! Yeah, I'm not a big Dragon Ball Z fan, but I'm familiar enough with it to know that. Um, it has almost nothing to do with Dragon Ball Z except for character names. Uh, sadly, character names and concepts. It actually adapts more than it should have, but it doesn't do it very well. And uh, lots of white people in it. That's true. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you think that happened? G.I. Joe only happened because, uh, well, for one thing, Transformers was a huge hit. And for another thing, they needed something to go. I mean... I'm serious. Uh, the uh, um, the second X Files movie only happened because Fox needed something to plug out a hole, and that one was ready to release. Um, a bunch of movies that had been sitting off the shelf, that had been sitting on the shelf, came off the shelf in that period because that they were desperate. So, yeah, don't underestimate external circumstances, but that's usually what gets movies out. But okay, so that so so we've established that. Um, um, Superman Lives. Yeah, let's talk about... So let's get back to Superman Lives, because it's kind of the er example. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, there's a documentary out there on it. I'm not sure exactly where you can find it, but I'm sure you can find it somewhere. It's streaming a few places. It's it's not hard to find. Um, it's legally released, is the thing. I mean... It... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw it off of... Uh, I saw it off of Cable... But, I mean, yeah, Kevin Smith talks in it. Uh, uh, you see a lot of early tests of the Superman suit. And, honestly, uh, telling from that, this movie could have been very fucking awesome. That's really kind of the sad thing about it is I, I think we all want to laugh at the idea of a Nicolas Cage Superman movie. But they 
there were concepts that were being forced on that movie that were bad ideas, like the giant spider. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, which later got reworked into the giant spider in Wild Wild West. Yeah, which... Yeah. Smith talks about that in uh, his in his um, evening with DVDs. Yeah. And, of course, it's revealed in that documentary that the... You know, that's brought up, but the that producer who... I guess is pretty fucking crazy. Uh, I've read a book on John Peters. He is. Yeah. And he says, I never said that. It's like, I'm sure you did. No, no, no. <laughs> I've, I've, I've read I've read up on John Peters. He is uh, he's a character and he is a fascinating figure. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that you've got so many good concepts. That's, that's an interesting one because you do have... What happened with that movie was it actually came very close to shooting. Like, that's kind of one of the advantages of being able to look at that film as a subject, is that they had, they came very close to shooting it. They came very, very close to shooting it. I mean, yeah, you have that. You have the fact that they, you do have costume tests. Uh, I'm sorry, I've never thought Cage looked as ridiculous in those tests as some people did. Oh, this... The suit that they came up with, like, they came up with many variations of the suit, but the suit they came up with would have been, like, um, <clears throat> like, they had to do uh, a lot of testing to get that right, just to get the movement right. Yeah. Uh, for the look they wanted, and, and it had, like, an underlying light structure under it, which would have been interesting. I mean, it, it could have been a potentially fascinating film, uh... I think it could have been an interesting grand what if because I I think it could have been good. There were some good ideas. Um, there were yeah. There were some very bad ideas uh, that that were kicked around in the development of it. Uh, have you read the Kevin Smith script? I have not. It's been I would say twenty years. No, it's not been twenty years. It's been. Oh, uh, you know what? Come to think of it, it's almost. It's been nineteen years. I'd say probably since I've read it. Because I think I read it way, way, way back in the early days of uh, my internet access. Uh, it's, yeah, it may have been in 96 even that I read it. Uh, it's good. It's it's good. It's not great. Um, I definitely think it, it, it's, it's, it's a Superman doomsday story, basically. Um you know, Superman fights Doomsday with another villain. Uh, it's Brainiac shoehorned in. And I'm just going to say right now, the idea of... S Hollywood really loved the death of Superman. They really, really wanted to film it. It was obvious that they wanted to film it. They could not get past it. I don't think it was a good thing that Hollywood was this obsessed with it. Especially since they finally did film the damn story. <clears throat> did I say something just now? I, I didn't. I, I didn't make any references to anything. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, but it is interesting that that, that project, it went through such development. But another thing I think we have to point out about that is Tim Burton was running the scenes on that to a certain degree. You know, in that he was the director. But, he, but it just goes to show how little... We really treat directors as if they have so much power. And that story should really prove to everybody that they don't. Because Burton was about as strong as he as you could get. Um, okay, he was coming off of Mars Attacks, which wasn't a big hit, but he was still coming off of, you know, several years of strength. He was still very much in his prime at that point. 
and let's not fool ourselves that you know Mars Attacks was a case of okay, it was a critic, it wasn't exactly a big box office hit, but it was a wonderful movie that has lasted uh, for twenty years. I, I don't know. I, I Burton didn't have any real power on it. Uh, he wound up eventually walking away from the project. You know, really, if if there's any hallmark of development hell, it's producers. It's that development hell is what happens when producers have all the control. Because in that case, John Peters had all the control. And Burton went on to do uh, Sleepy Hollow and uh, did fine. Then he went on to do Planet of the Apes, which was another producer-controlled movie. And another case of the, the first remake of Planet of the Apes was a case that was definitely development hell. Where they because they'd had script after script after script of that, um, so yeah, I mean that that was a famous project though. Um, now we should point out that getting that movie out of development hell because it, technically speaking, Superman Returns is what got it out. Right. Uh, do people realize that there were like no less than four or five different uh, inter- interpretations that almost happened between the two films? Really? Yeah, or that almost happened between Burton's and this one. Yeah, there were multiple efforts. One by J.J. Abrams that was very ill-received. Uh, he wrote a script that is not well-liked. Um, uh, let's just say Abrams didn't quite have the same uh, grasp on Superman that he had on Star Wars. Yeah. Though I will say this. In retrospect, he had a bunch of cool, reinventive ideas that were at least upbeat and bright and of a good tone, you know? I, I could have dug that. Um, you had multiple efforts to try and do, like, standalones. There were a couple of more tries at Doomsday uh, here and there. There was the aborted Superman-Batman project from uh, Andrew Kevin Walker, of all people, was hired to write, uh, a, was hired to write the first Superman-Batman that almost happened. Yes, Andrew Kevin Walker, the writer of Seven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The guy that wrote Seven. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, that did not uh, that did not wind up happening. Um, and that one actually came very close to happening. Uh, it, for the record, it was it was ultimately scrapped in favor of uh, Batman Begins. Is what happened. Yeah. I've heard that uh, the that that version of Superman Batman is pretty good, but you know what? I'm going to go on ahead and be happy that we got Batman Begins because Batman Begins is an all time classic. Yeah, <laughs> Superman Returns underperformed, which I kind of don't think is fair. Mm-hmm. I've always really liked it. I've always thought it was pretty good, but you had a few more tries, and then we wound up with where we are. So, but we'd better stop talking about DC projects because there's a couple other <laughs> ones I want to hit on. I know one that I definitely want to hit on is Akira. Yeah, let's let's talk about why Akira isn't getting made. Fuck. And I say fuck not because I want it to get made, but because wow, this thing should should not even be considered. You know what? That's another great example of where we get to talk about another reason that movies wind up in development hell. The material is unadaptable. Mhm. Um in the case of Akira, it works great as an anime. It works great as a manga. Why is why does it have to be a live action American movie? It does not. It's besides that, like anybody who's seen the movie, which the movie is gorgeous. Like it is this is nineteen eighties anime and it looks like it's wow. It yeah, it doesn't need it. And a live action version would just be so grotesque. Like as far as, you know, the 
the story's main villain, as it is. It's like, the thing that winds up at, um, out of that is so grotesque, it would not look good in live action. Yeah, some things are, there's a barrier here. And that's what people act, act like doesn't exist, is, but there is a barrier. Yeah. Some of these, they don't belong in live action. They don't. Besides all that, they would have whitewashed the fuck out of this movie. Well, that's confirmed. It's well known that some of the actors they were looking at were um, Garrett Hedlund from uh, Tron Legacy for one of the lead roles, who is as white as they come and as bland and as uninteresting as they come. Uh, He would have been one of the lead roles. Kristen Stewart was rumored for a role in it. I'm not sure what. Yeah, there it would have come from a director who didn't have a strong vision. This is very much a studio project. Warner Brothers, for a period, really got into the idea of adapting uh, manga. Yeah, so this is a case where it's like, okay, you've got, you know, Warner Brothers, they tried to do Death Note, which is now headed off to uh, Netflix. Um, and Really? And, yeah, and is going to be whitewashed. Here's what I say you do with, uh. with Death Note, though. If you're going to do it, I say that you completely recontextualize the entire thing into an American mythology, and you make it an American version. If you're going to do it, you go all the way. You don't go half measures. Right. But but ultimately, that's that. But ultimately, that's a ridiculous excuse. Really, Death Death Note being told uh, among Asian American teens could have been fascinating. You know what? The thing about that is. There already exists two live-action Death Note movies. Well, three. And they're widely considered an improvement on the source. That's the sad part. They are, yeah. Which isn't hard, because the original source has a giant problem that the uh, remakes, uh, that the uh, adaptations actually fix. Yeah, the two movies pretty much cover the entire, well, sort of the entire story. They cut out, like, the last third, which is the problematic part. Yeah, yeah, they they fix what... I'm sorry, why in the hell did you kill your most interesting character at the halfway mark? You can... Exactly. You can find the exact point that I stopped caring about Death Note. Yeah, only to replace him with, like, pretty much the same character. Except for less interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... Because I, I've read all of Death Note. That's the funny thing. That's one of the few ones that I can actually chime in and give my thoughts on. I've actually read all of Death Note, and... The first half is amazing. The first half is incredible. The second half is god-awful. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, again, we don't need it. I never saw the David Fincher girl with the dragon tattoo, so I, I don't. we don't need it. Yeah, yeah, manga. Okay, America, let's get this clear. We cannot adapt manga. No. We can't do it. No. Only Japan has that right. For those who bring up Edge of Tomorrow, eh, more based on a... Uh, more based on a light novel, and we made some good... We, we managed to make that work. But that's the exception. I was going to say, I saw that as an example of whitewashing. I didn't know what it was talking about. I think one of the characters was originally Asian, and one of the characters was originally white, and then they just made them both white. Uh, I see. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure who... You know what? I, I'm just going to go on ahead and say that that's an awesome movie, and... They managed to yeah. make it work because they managed to make it an American version. They also managed to make it very, very, very European, which helped. Yes. Yeah, really grounded it in European, grounded it in a lot of World War II imagery. So, 
Oh, I love I love Edge of Tomorrow so much. And again, that's a Warner Brothers project. Warner Brothers was really high on Asia for a period. But yeah, you know, that that's that's movie crack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but seriously, Edge of Tomorrow is so good and if you haven't seen it, uh, you know, it's funny because the day after we watched it, Amanda and I were arguing about the Rotten Tomatoes score, not really arguing but discussing it. We thought, "Eh, it's maybe a little high." As time has gone by, we've come to realize no, it was it was spot on. That thing is amazing. So, uh, but anyway, but but but, and by the way, that's a project that had a very brief time actually in development. Kind of surprisingly, it didn't spend very long in development. Like the rights were bought, they had a script written, and it kind of sat for a bit while they tried to find exactly the right person. But uh, as soon as Tom Cruise came on board. I'll tell you this. Then it sped along. With one exception, if you want to get your project out of development hell, Tom Cruise is the guy to get it out, I'll tell you. Um, uh, Minority Report (laughs) sat in development hell for a good period. Cruise got it out. Um, Wow. uh, The current Mummy redo that they're doing, it was struggling with Universal trying to figure out how they could do a new take on the Mummy. Cruise signed on. That got it out. He's good about helping those. But, um, yeah, getting back to Akira, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. They're going to change the uh, the main character's name to something really boring like Keith. Uh-huh. I forgot what exactly it was, but something like that. And the, the original guy's name is, like, Tetsuo. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, fuck you. How about don't make this movie? That's kind of my thought. Don't make it. Just, yeah. According to the Wikipedia page... Uh, it was shut down for the... Warner Brothers has shut it down for the fourth time as of January 6th, 2012. So it's been kind of out of the cards for a while. Yeah, let's... I, I'm just going to say it right now. Short of something miraculous, I don't think that one's ever going to get made. Um, thank God. Yeah, thank God. Um, I don't think that one's ever going to happen. Uh, and, and, you know, Ghost in the Shell did sit in development hell. All I'm going to say is it got out. But I think it only got out because of desperation. Uh, that one really reeks of a desperation move. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that one's its own. That one's its own bag of worms. Hollywood, stop whitewashing. Stop. Stop. I mean, you know, it's funny. As I stop and think about it, I can't help but wonder. Okay, Death Note, and you know, all these movies that I'm talking about. I can't help but feel like if you were to add, say, a casting that's not predictable and not, you know, the usual boring white people being flung into these things, might they maybe get out a little easier? I mean, I do have to ponder that. Because you would at least Mm -hmm. have something that would... Because a lot of these projects wind up being to where it's like, I'm sure studio executives are like, well, why do I notice this one? But if you've got such a white slate, this would help. I mean, I'm just throwing out ideas here. Uh, one thing that the page lists is uh, Atlas Shrugs. Ooh, that's a good example. Yeah, which was, it says it was in development hell, like various versions of it were in development hell for 40 years. Mm-hmm. No one wanted to make this piece of shit. <laughs> and nobody wanted to see it when it came out. No. Nobody wanted to, wanted to see this piece of shit so much that they put out part one, and they waited a bit, and they put out part two with an entirely different cast. And they put out part three with an entirely different cast. Yeah. Somebody made the, the ads joke that, hey, isn't trying to keep something not financially viable afloat 
uh, kind of against Randian philosophy. It is. It is. This is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, a lot of money was lost on these movies that did not have to be spent. Um, yeah, it's a hilarious example. I love it. It, it is. It, <laughs> it's funny, but it's also sad because it ever happened. Um, yeah. I, I'm at a loss as to what happened there. Um, Somebody just really fucking loves Anne Rand. Well, uh, what it really came down to was, uh, th- the truth is, this is an, a, a prime example of what I was saying earlier. Legal obligations. Yeah. The guy that made these, he wasn't trying to make it and release it so that he could actually make this movie. He was trying to eventually hold on to the rights so that it could get made correctly in his eyes. Ah. Uh. This th- ah. this was just a desperation. Hey, we had to do something. Move, but shit, three movies. Wow. Yeah, and of course they made three movies that made it so that there will never ever be a quote unquote proper version, and they had to. They had to do it. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. I don't know. It's pathetic. Yeah. It's it's pathetic. Yeah, that almost feels like these are completely different circumstances, but that almost feels like um. Gus Van Zandt remaking a shot, like a shot for shot remake of Psycho. And his reasoning for doing it was. Well, someone's going to do it. Quote, so, yeah, someone's got to do it, and I'm doing it so nobody else has to. So it's almost like. That's, that For me, you know, that my interpretation of that is almost like I'm taking the bullet so that this never gets done. You know, at least he did something kind of interesting there. I mean, at, he did. at least he yeah. provided the world with an interesting, unique project that I didn't regret watching. It was an experiment. It's not a it's not a good movie, but it's a good experiment. And actually, the remake has a lot of defenders. Amanda really likes it. Um, yeah, which I respect. I respect the people that like it have really good reasons for liking it. Uh, I didn't, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he did he did put some effort into uh, you know. Because, you know, shot for shot remake, you, you know, on the surface, you may think that's lazy, but... No, you have to try. Yeah. If, you, if you've if you ever watched, uh, there is footage that exists of, like, I think it's on the DVD, if you watch uh, Ed Wood, uh, him trying to, trying to perfectly recreate um, a take from Plan 9 from Outer Space with, Tor, with uh, the guy who's playing Tor Johnson in the film... It's like, yeah, that's kind of a painstaking process. Mm-hmm. It's it, it it's agony, and and that's Tim Burton who actually understood what he was doing, and and Van Sant did too to a great degree. Uh, now, while we're talking about projects that have been in development hell, I have to talk about one of my, one of my favorite examples of one that got out and got out for very good reasons. Uh, let's talk about Freddy versus Jason for a moment, which I talked. There you go. I touched on when we did the Nightmare on uh, Elm Street cast. And uh, I mentioned then that I really like the movie, and I, I do. I think it's a really fun, wonderful movie that captures the spirits of both franchises. It's really a love letter to both franchises. What people don't realize is that movie, it's funny because I say that it sat in development hell for a long time. It really wasn't more than about 10 years, actually. That's almost, a, that's almost nothing, but they worked so hard on trying to get it made yeah, it only I mean it was only in there for about 10 years. It's funny as you get older how much time starts to be like, oh that doesn't seem like much time at all. Yeah, I know, it's kind of scary actually. It's very unsettling. Um 
especially as I have time like five weeks that I have to think about. Um, yeah. But, you know, you, you see these movies. What happened with Freddy vs. Jason, though, is they took so many drafts at it. I've heard that there were upwards of 20 separate approaches that were tried for it. And that's to get two slashers to fight in a movie. What's funny is that when you watch the actual film that they wound up making, how unbelievably easy it looked as an idea. And what it was was, was that the uh, two guys that... Uh, this was a case, actually, of a movie getting out because of the writers, actually. Uh, the guys that wrote it sat down, and they came up with a list of rules that would respect each franchise. And they said, okay, well, we can do this, we can't do this, we can do this, we have to do this, we have to, you know, to respect both franchises. And that's ultimately what saved the project, was that they just sat down and said, well, we're going to do this seriously, and we're going to do this right. Right. And that's what got the film out of development hell. Isn't that such a bizarrely simple concept? You know, don't do this wrong. And I do believe you have mentioned on this cast before uh, it, how if they if they had gotten the rights, uh, how it was supposed to end. Yeah, it was supposed to end with uh, Pinhead, with uh, the characters fighting in hell, and then Pinhead separates them. I kind of wish that had happened. I I, I would have dug that. I would have so totally been there for that. Um, again, uh, this, it, that's, a good, that's a good project. That's one that I really do like, and I do recommend uh, people watch, just because it's a lot of fun. Um, it's, and it's remarkable how easy it turned out to be to get that out. Uh, then you have then you have a couple other just chaotic ones. Um, you know, you got Alien vs. Predator, which went through the same process. And you know what the really stupid part about that is? Yeah. Okay, The first of all, the finished film they came up with was not anybody's idea of a uh, great film. No. No. No, not in any way. Not, not what the two franchises deserved. And the second film, even less so. The second movie, I'm, I'm at a loss as to how they decided that was the approach to go with. Yeah, we're just, yeah, just going to set the xenomorphs loose in a small Texas town. That sounds good, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's have them fight. Uh-huh. Let's have them fight in a Walmart. Oh God. Mm-hmm. Okay, when Freddy and Jason did it uh, in uh, Ash versus Freddy, or Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, that was fun, but that was its own circumstances, and also that was supposed to be funny. Anyway, but like with Alien, what's really sad about Alien versus Predator is they had the material. Uh, the original miniseries that they did for Dark Horse is incredible. All you had to do was adapt that. In fact, most people are still baffled that that wasn't what they did. That they didn't just adapt it. And I could point out, by the way, that the Alien and Predator movies have their own long string of development hell projects. Yeah. Ranging from Robert Rodriguez's ultimately kind of used, but kind of not used, uh, pred- uh, script that became Predator's where they lifted some of his ideas and uh, Rodriguez got credit as a producer. Um, I don't think he got a writing credit on it, but he really should have. I mean, they've put the Predator project through so much development. Um, It does look like we are going to be getting another one, but we'll see. And then, of course, there's Alien 3. Alien 3, of all of the movies that we've described, might have had the most development. And I want everybody to think about that, because the final project is, of course, notoriously a disaster. With Alien 3, they went through so many... Here's how bad the development was on Alien 3. They went through so many bad... Through so many rejected script ideas 
that the teaser trailer didn't even accurately reflect what the finished film was about. How do you do that? I don't know. Yeah, Alien. I I've only seen the first two of the Alien franchise because I like I think I started to watch three at one point and it just kind of lost me. Yeah, they had treatments where uh, they had treatments where Ripley was out of it completely. They had treatments. They had so many writers on that one. It was a mess. It was just an outright mess. Kevin, I think Kevin Smith's, uh, I remember him talking on his podcast about it. And he said, yeah, it, it sucks as a sequel, but it's okay, like, on its own. Yeah. Because I guess they undo, they undo everything that the second movie was trying to do. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Like, they kill off a principal character. They kill off several. And, uh... My understanding is that pretty much the the uh, expectation is going to be that if they do another alien. By the way, th- there are so many of these movies that are still in because they're still now trying to do a, a fifth alien movie, provided on the grounds that you might want. Do we consider Prometheus one? Um, they're still calling it Alien Five. Prometheus is kind of an alien movie, kind of not. One hundred percent, it's a piece of crap. <sighs> Have you ever sat down to watch it? By the way, I do have to ask you that if, if you've sat down to watch it. No, I have not. Good, keep it up. I just... Ugh. I haven't had the heart. Oh, God, it's so bad. Like, with me and, like, pop culture, like, if a movie is referenced enough, and if a movie is, you know, in pop culture, then I have to see it, like, just on principle, at least once. You don't have to see this one. I, I don't feel a strong compelling reason to see this ever yeah yeah i've heard enough secondhand that i get every reference that people are trying to do with it (laughs) you know yeah so much so much bad there now they are now we are getting a sequel to prometheus for some uh goddamn reason i don't know yeah Uh, that'll be out next year and then we've also got um you know, Neil Blomkamp's perpetually uh, in development uh, Alien 5, which we'll see if that ever happens. I uh, kind of don't think it will after uh, the box office on Chappie, which is actually good, sadly. But, you know, what, what? one thing that we should point out is that there was a period in, like, 2003, 2004, where they almost got a fifth Alien movie coming that would have been just ridiculous. It would have been Ridley Scott directing from a James Cameron script. I want to remind wow. everybody that Fox turned that down. Ugh. Damn. Yeah, Fox turned that down. So just let's just, let's never forget that. Fox turned that down in favor of letting uh Paul W.S. Anderson do uh his Alien versus Predator. Fox executives can't say they're not morons. We're doing a lot of studio bashing and we haven't even really gotten into the chance to bash on Sony. Um real quick cuz I do want to we've got so many <laughs> projects that we want to hit on. Uh, we have to acknowledge that Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, had a legendarily long... Yeah, Douglas Adams had a quote on that, was, uh, which was, uh, Making a movie is like, having, is like cooking a steak by having a succession of people come in and breathe on it. Yeah. In fact, Development Hell was actually coined by him. Really, was it? I'm almost... It was either him or... I'm trying to think. I don't, I want to say it was him. I may be wrong on this. Yeah, it was either Adams or uh, Terry Pratchett that said that. Um, Still, same same kind of, same uh, vein. Yeah, both uh, genius. Uh, 
Brits. Yeah, uh, yeah. Same kind of vein of silliness. Oh yeah. Uh, well, two guys. I, 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 yeah. Let's see. Um. Yep. Yep. Douglas Adams does indeed get the uh, credit for this because in about nice. the author blurb uh, in his books included the line: "A major motion picture is in currently in development hell and should be coming out any decade now." <laughs> yeah. If this if this didn't coin the term, it got it popular. I I I, I still love that man. I do. I do. Uh, <laughs> I want to point out, by the way, that The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a great example of why I think a lot of movies that do come out of development hell don't often come out to very to they come out to divisive reaction, and I think that's just kind of an inevitable side effect. I mean, because really most of the films that I've discussed that did eventually get made have that reaction where people are like, yeah, you know, unless they have a really strong director or you know, somebody else at the helm, the reaction is going to be mixed because you're trying to appease so many people. Um, we've already covered it. We covered Hitchhiker's Guide very early on. I still love the movie. I still think it's wonderful. I regret that we never got sequels, but I'm okay with it as this wonderful, weird little gem. I, yeah. I really challenge people to hate a movie with um, Martin Freeman, Sam Rockwell, most deaf, uh, Alan Rickman, uh, Zoe Deschanel. She is so very divisive that I hesitate to even bring her up, but she's good in it. I, I challenge people. To I like her in it. I do too. I think she's wonderful in it. But I, I again, it's a that's a case where it's just like okay, the movies come out and they're to mixed reaction, and it's because you have so many people that are you know looking over them and nitpicking them and trying to be everything to everybody. Um, it's it's questioned how much th- this movie actually followed Adam's original script. Nobody has it to confirm it. From what I remember, from when it came out, I guess it was very close. Like it was like it's close enough to where uh, he still has one of the sole writing credits on it. But it was, if I understand, it was touched up by uh, Kerry Kirkpatrick, who did get who did get writing credit on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who um, wrote the script for Chicken Run? Yeah, talented writer and did did a good job. It's it's did a did a fine job. Uh, again, it's an iffy case. I'm really sorry we haven't gotten another film out of uh, Hammer and Tongs besides uh, Son of Rambo, which is also wonderful. Yeah, I would I would totally be down for more for them. They have a really good sense of humor and a, a sense of energy and life and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, well, what happened to them after that? That kind of sucks. And also, why is Hitchhiker's Guide not getting the reevaluation it deserves? I, I really, I've noticed it kind of hasn't advanced beyond its reaction, and I, I, yeah. it deserves better. It really deserves better. It's a wonderfully weird, surreal little film. I, I would like to see it get a better reaction. So you, you've got that. Um, getting through that, a, a movie that we have to talk about on a similar vein is uh, Watchmen. Watchmen, yeah. Which went through... I've read, by the way, one of the earlier pre, uh, pre-the pre version that we got uh, adaptations, the Sam Hamm script, and it's not very good. It kind of gets some of the material, but it kind of doesn't, and it ends pretty stupidly. It, it has a very... Yeah. I mean, people think that the ending for the movie wasn't very good. Oh, boy, do I have some stories there. Um, by the way, uh, before we get too far away from Hitchhiker's Guide... Yeah. 
one one quick tidbit on that it was Ivan Reitman was actually at one point attached to do it in the eighties. Yeah, he was. Yeah, but do you know what got made instead? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It was that. <laughs> What's interesting is I think either way he probably could have stumbled onto something classic. Like I think either yeah, way, yeah. what I think whatever movie he chose to make at that juncture. Of course, we would be remiss if we didn't point out that Ghostbusters three spent so much time in development hell. And let me point out why it spent so much time in development hell. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do Ghostbusters two sucked. That's why we. That the there was no audience afterwards. Yeah, which is a thing that everybody seems to collectively have like a sort of nostalgic fog over. I don't understand. I, I just want to pull people aside and go, do you not understand that Ghostbusters 2 took everything that was wrong with the first film? And there was a lot wrong with the first film, honestly. I really do have to kind of point that out. There are some things that, you know, the flaws of the first movie neglected all the fun of the first movie and made the characters assholes. Yeah. So, no, there was no interest in a Ghostbusters 3. The only reason that it even came up in discussion was because Dan Aykroyd was clinging to it desperately. And we got it in the form of a video game, which is honestly which people probably the best version of Ghostbusters. Yeah. I mean, it takes it infuses the humor of, you know, the first film and just the cleverness of it. And basically boils boils it down to the concept, which is the strength of it. And because the concept is fucking awesome. By the way, that game went through its own development hell with the producers uh, falling yeah. apart, and it got it eventually got picked up, got a big release, and was a huge seller. But that's probably why we never got a second one. The third one, yeah, or sec- or second game. Uh, but Ackroyd and Ramis' script yeah, yeah, yeah. for Ghostbusters Three pretty much was. Um, Go, the game so let's now we're not even going to get into the to the what's going on with this new movie we will address that one when it comes out and we actually have the chance to evaluate it yeah because it could go either I way think it could go either way honestly. but i, I want to just stop for a moment and talk about you know so so yes yeah, so we got that um but i don't think people really want a ghostbusters 3 as much as they're acting like it that's what it comes down to but let's get back to Watchmen. I've read the Sam Hamm script. It's not very good. That was the one that Terry Gilliam was going to do. By the way, Terry Gilliam is his own subsect of development hell. Let's just agree that that man is cursed. And, he and is, be done. Yeah. And be done. Poor guy. That version wasn't very good. It nearly got made with Darren Aronofsky. Um, the script that he was attached to did get held on to, and it did get reworked into the uh, Zack Snyder movie. We've already covered it. Uh, I still quite like the film. I think we all have to agree that it's the best that we could have gotten. Well, it's not the best because they really did need to recast a couple of those roles. But this it's not the HBO show that we could have gotten. And I worry if we had gotten an HBO show because I don't know that HBO would have been okay with just doing one season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A la Game of Thrones. Yeah. Well, Game- Although, that's its own thing. But that, that kind of Game of Thrones is the perfect venue for what it's at. Mm. So, I mean, but yeah, so many of these. Man, I'm we're really we're going we're, we're we're an hour into this and we've still got so many that we could cover. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of shoot through a couple of these quickly. Um a lot of animated films get trapped in development hell because a lot of animated films 
our products of development. Uh, Disney has an entire, you could do a book on unmade Disney projects. Um, however, wow. you could do, oh yeah, they have tons of movies that never got made. However, they do tend to hold on to projects. So if you just wait long enough, they do tend to happen. Frozen was completely redeveloped and completely redeveloped. And then they finally got going down the line to the point where they were ready to hire a couple of songwriters. And the songwriters came to them with the song for the villain. That forced them to completely rework the entire project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When the Lopez's came to Disney with uh, their big villain, their big villain song for Elsa, who was the villain in that version, that song, of course, being let it go. Of course. Forced Disney to completely reshape the entire project and make her a heroine. Nice. Because they realized after that song, nobody could be nobody could be against her. That song forces you yeah. to her side completely. She she can't be evil at that point. She can be flawed, she can be broken. She's not evil at that point. So So even then they recognize the potential of that the like the radio potential of that song basically. They knew from the word go that they were, they knew they were gonna make so much money off of it from the word go. The Lopez's have admitted themselves that as soon as they hit on it, they were like, oh my god, we've got this. Yeah. <laughs> so you have that, 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 um, you know, uh, Rapun uh, Tangled was in development for years and had the same situation before finally coming out and being a good sized hit. I don't know. I mean, it just takes, it takes a long time with animation. Um, I will say, Shrek almost got shelved completely. Because uh, Chris Farley had recorded virtually his entire track for it. And they just decided, no, we're not going to go. We're not going to try and find an impersonator. But Shrek was actually delayed a little bit while they dealt with his death. But do keep that in mind that Shrek didn't come out until summer of 2001. But Farley had his uh, track done. And he died in December 97. So, Ouchie. Yeah. I hear you were jumping in with one you wanted to bring up. One quick one is our Independence Day two was in development hell since well Independence Day yeah and I guess I guess it was supposed to be like a back like it was supposed to have two sequels uh, shot back to back a la Back to the Future and I guess Roland Emmerich finally did get it going again in two thousand nine and now it's turned into resurgence yeah you know I actually like that they waited until now to do that because twenty years is a good fitting period and for the record one of our bank casts is going to be independence day we're going to record on that next week so oh hell yeah yeah um i'm looking forward to that the other one I the other one i bring up uh is i haven't seen it but i see enough on it food fights for uh, while we're talking about animated uh uh development hell films do people understand that food fight was supposed to be a was supposed to be something on the leg level of the lego movie or toy story yeah, with like, with like supermarket brands, yeah. which uh, is a okay. stupid idea. It is a very stupid idea, and this makes no mention of the fact that that was originally supposed to be a two D animated film, mm -hmm. and uh, well, some somewhere along the line, it got changed into uh, CG. Very terrible, terrible god-awful cg well it was in development for so long that they had to go cg yeah 
And it, feel, it looks like it was sl just slapped together. I mean, it, it looks so awful. And so many, so many people are in it, too. Why? Well, you may notice that very few of them are people that uh, work very much. Yeah, Charlie Sheen, Christopher Lloyd. Poor Christopher Lloyd. Oh, I can't man. imagine why he... I, I just... Oh, poor man. But this is... I don't know what to make. I've never seen Food Fight. At this point, I feel like everybody else has covered it so much, I don't want to cover it. No, it's no. It just plus it just for me it just holds no interest. It holds no interest. And what's sad is I mean, you have to understand how many brands that dropped out of the project during the during the actual production of it. Like while it was being made, brands dropped out. Um there were some financial goings on. I mean, I think it may be a few years before that entire saga completely shakes out. But yeah, that's a bad, yeah. that's a bad, bad movie um, that uh, I have no interest in ever covering. So, watch John Tron cover it. He's hilarious. There's some, there's some really good reviews of it. Well, hell, I mean, honest to God, watch the nest. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Yeah, Doug Walker's done a review. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, watch the nostalgia critic. It's, he did a pretty good job. Read Nathan Rabin's write up on it, which is amazing because you know. It's something that he wrote. Uh, he always does good stuff. This is not good. There's even a joke in uh, uh, a later Nostalgia Critic video where uh, John Tron actually shows up. Uh, and, like, after punching him in the face, and he says, that's for doing food fight. Yeah. I, so, I mean, you have all these, again, let's see. Um, Inhumans. Before we get to it, uh, because I stopped and had the chance to read the script... I did read the script Guillermo del Toro's um, uh, at, at the Mountains of Madness. Um, this one was almost made, and this one had so much going for it. James Cameron was going to produce it. Tom Cruise was going to star in it. I'm not sure. Oh, man. I'm not sure what role he would have played, though. There isn't really a good part for him in it. So that's the that's the aforementioned one that uh, did not happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, that's the one. That's the one that did not happen. He was at least flirting with it. I don't know if he was ever officially signed. Del Toro had a finished script ready. It's not that hard to get your hands on. Uh, we'll even include a link to it. And the studio said no. Because it was an R-rated movie with no women, uh, no love interests, no... Uh, no women at all? I think there might be a few tiny brief characters, but like... Like, the main character does have a wife, but she dies off screen. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, you have the, you have a few roles. You it's It would have been extremely graphic uh, in its violence. It would have been extremely unpleasant. And it would have been extremely nihilistic. And here's the, the fundamental issue. Is Prometheus eventually wound up ripping uh, the uh, Lovecraft story off so wholeheartedly that it's angry <sighs> that killed him. In fact, Del Toro has said because of Prometheus, he will never make this movie because it did too much of what he was trying to do. And it really did. Um, except for the fact, of course, that Prometheus did it with all the intelligence of somebody that's been bashing their head into a sledgehammer. <laughs> I'm done bashing Prometheus on this cast, but ugh, yeah. still mad. Jesus. So you have that. So it almost got made. And Universal said no. I mean... There were, because it would have been very expensive. Let's not kid ourselves. It would have cost a ton of money. It would have been R-rated. 
Mm-hmm. It would have been a, an iffy financial investment, to be honest. But we could have had it. So that one's dead. And I also feel like to a certain degree, it's kind of the same situation with John Carter, where the material has been out there and ripped off so much that by the time that it got made, it would feel like a ripoff. Because that's the problem that y- you have there. That That's the big problem with John Carter is that you watch it and you can feel the influences you know, the way that it in that the Edgar Rice Burroughs book influenced other people, but ugh, I don't know. I, I that, that's that's one that I it's a good script. I Del Toro's script is ex, it's uh Del Toro and Matthew Robbins who uh they worked on Crimson Peak, so it's a good script. I mean, it has to be. Del Toro knows what he's doing, he's an excellent writer. It's a shame it didn't get made. I would have preferred this to Prometheus, hands down. By the way, James Cameron, this was right after Avatar when the studio killed it. So I'm I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. Um, But let's talk about a couple others that are... uh, Let's talk about a recent one that went into development hell because you pointed this out. Everybody talks about DC's development hell stuff. Let's talk about a few that Marvel has had. The entire Marvel Cinematic Universe is spun out of the fact that Iron Man was in development hell for a good many years. And ultimately, when Marvel got the rights back, that was the first one they decided to lead with. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of different interpretations that did kind of get folded into the uh, eventual film. You know, there were a few Marvel films that have been in development hell. Um, they have a couple of films in their universe now that are still in development hell. Um, Captain Marvel has kind of struggled a bit. Um, Black Panther got put got pushed back a couple of times. Though, as of this weekend... The pressure is on Marvel to go on ahead and get that one going. Uh, oh yeah, because he's pretty heavily featured. Given how rapturously he's been received by the fan base, uh, mm-hmm. given how much people seem to be digging him, Marvel can go on ahead and make that movie now. They can make that without fear. Um, yeah, it's a great character. Uh, dare I say it? I think we're going to get our second great black-fronted uh, Marvel uh, superhero movie. Our second. Yes. Because I am still totally counting Blade. Yes. Guy's got superpowers. Uh, it's based faithfully upon a Marvel comic. Blade still counts. But, um, but yeah, so Black Panther's probably headed out. Captain Marvel is also probably headed out, too. Um, it looks like we may have some ideas of where that one's going to go. We'll probably find out with it by the end of the summer. So you've got that. But uh, there are a couple others. Um, one of the ones that really annoys me is that Runaways is trapped at marvel like this is yeah. one that is my dream find for the script i know a script exists i cannot get my hands on it but they did do an adaptation uh they you know they at least commissioned an adaptation from brian k vaughn who create who co-created the series this this one just even talking about it breaks my heart it was announced they got a director on it they hired a writer to rewrite vaughn's script and then Marvel decided they really wanted to put their energy on the cinematic universe, and because this one sits off to the side, it wouldn't have been a good investment of their money. So it's dead. This one breaks my heart. This is such good material. Marvel, I, 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 I beseech you, do something with this property. On the other hand, there's Inhumans. Marvel, I beseech you, don't do anything with this property. <laughs> yeah, it's basically... It's basically a pawn in a pissing contest, in a huge pissing contest with Fox over X-Men, because Fox is doing very well with X-Men, so 
by and large, Fox has done very well with the X-Men franchise, aside from some missteps. Here's what Marvel has done as a result. They have been absolute babies about it. The X-Men books, because I I gained some anger when I argued that maybe the X-Men books should be put on hold. Here's the thing. What Marvel did, and this is the most horrible thing that I think they could have done to fans, was the X-Men books were actually going very strong. Marvel stepped in and said, no, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, they were doing a line-wide relaunch anyway, so we probably would have lost the writers anyway. But it's been made very clear that there were serious plans for the X-Men books that got cut short. They stepped in and they said, okay, what we're going to do is, first of all, we're going to uh, make it so that any that all kinds of in, new Inhumans pop up. Boom, Inhumans are the new mutants because we own the rights. And then once they did that, they had a bunch of new Inhuman characters. They then established when they, after Secret Wars, which is a mini-sode that's coming, and I really did like Secret Wars uh, a lot. Uh, in the uh, Then they established after the Secret Wars jump that the... Uh, mutant that the mist that makes people in humans is sterilizing and killing mutants uh, oh that's oh i am when i even discussing this is making me angry because what they're threatening to do is kill a bunch of characters we'll see if they actually do it they're basically making it so that the x-men are in a terrible place right now um, I've read a yeah. few of the books. A few of them are okay. I need to read more of them before I can really form a judgment. But Marvel, it would be nicer to us if you could just not do this. However, there's then the good news that Inhumans has been put on the, has been put into development hell. Why? Because here's the thing: the Inhumans suck. I mean, I mean, that's an, that's another problem. There are a few good Inhuman characters. Uh, Ms. Marvel is one, but. They suck. They they really do kind of suck as characters. Um, Black Bolt isn't interesting. Medusa is kind of awesome, but she's the only one. The rest of them, they're just they're they're this weird Jack Kirby concept that's never really survived to the modern day. They don't work. They're off in their own little island, and but Marvel keeps cramming them down our throats. This is a comic book reader complaint, to be clear. This is. Obviously, I'm angry about yeah. this as a reader because this is messing with my work that I like to read. Marvel, we don't want this movie. I just we we don't want it. And now that the movie is in development hell, it's probably. I think it's going to come out in time, but I would not. Yeah. But there is a theory that behind the scenes, Marvel may try and get the rights back to X Men. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. I think Fox is doing too well with it. But, I don't know. I, I actually kind of like the idea that maybe after Infinity War, we get that, you know, what, what I would like to see happen is this. Maybe let Apocalypse be the last of the conventional X-Men movies. Then let uh, Wolverine 3 be the last Wolverine movie. And then... Mm-hmm. Marvel use their money, get the rights back, and then put the characters on hold for a while cinematically. That's what I would like to see. Yeah. And then slowly re-bring in the mutants. But that's what I would do. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, that would be it. That would be so ideal. Probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. That would be so ideal. But anyway, um, by the way, we would be remiss if we didn't point out that uh, 
Sony, uh, what they did with uh, Spider-Man towards the end of their time holding the rights, which they still kind of technically do hold the rights, but they're now working with Marvel because Homecoming is going to be released through them. Their plans for a Spider-Man cinematic universe were pretty bad. Uh, they were going to start with a Sinister Six movie, for example. So, yeah, I'm just going to point that out. Yeah, they made a bunch of plans that were announced and that are still that they still talk about as if they might happen. They're not going to happen. These, these were tied <laughs> no. to the Andrew Garfield films. They're done. We have a new version of Spider-Man in theaters this very day, which I'm going to see this evening. So, yeah. Yeah, which I will say for my part is awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing. But anyway, um, so that's that's my take on all this is, come on, Marvel. Let's let's just, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, getting back, one last thought on the Inhumans movie. Seriously, nobody wants it. Nobody no, wants it. And I think no. that's the problem that they have is that they can't get the script to work because the characters aren't interesting. So that's my advice to Marvel is don't do it. Just because, you know, just don't do it. You want to tell mutant stories, but you don't have the rights to the mutants. Quit trying to make something happen. The Inhumans are the poochie of the Marvel Universe. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do. That's what they're trying to do. So, let's talk very quickly about uh, stuff that goes on the shelf. Let's talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. movies that sit on the shelf and what happens there. Uh, usually, that's a lot of legal issues. The, the movie that I think most people think of when they think of a shelf movie of late has been Cabin in the Woods. That sat on for a few years, didn't it? it yeah, it was about two, three years that it sat on the shelf. Initially, uh, MGM was going to uh, put it through a, um, they were going to put it through a 3D conversion at one point, and that was why they delayed it. Then that didn't happen, then MGM went bankrupt, and uh, the movie got sold to Lionsgate. Uh, they also sold their remake of Red Dawn, which that was put in put on hold due to the asinine reason that they changed it to a uh, an invasion from Korea. Lot, lots of stupid there. Red, Red Dawn's kind of a redneck film anyway. It is. I'm going to point this out. Cabin in the Woods is a good movie that got off the shelf, but honestly, I've noticed that there is one rule that tends to happen with movies that sit on the shelf. Yeah? They're usually not very good. <laughs> Oogie Loves. Oogie, lo <clears throat> Oogie Loves sat on the shelf for three years. Ugh. God. Yeah, Oogie Loves. And, yeah, that series is not going to happen. That series is obviously dead. Um... They were even promising uh, new ones that would be sold at Walmart. No, no, no. No. But you know what? No, let it die. You know what? Give me a good subtitle of the first two Huevos movies. I, I, I would like that. I'd, I'd take that. Uh, but, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm still wanting that. Uh, but real quick on, like, some of these movies that sit on the shelf, I think we can all think of movies that, like, they promised were going to happen and then they didn't come out. Usually, if a movie sits on the shelf long enough, it goes direct to video. But if you do see a movie that comes out conspicuously late, like All About Steve sat on the shelf for two years. It came out because they had contractual obligations. Like, if you'll see this movie given a dump release, it's because they have contractual obligations to release it in, say, a certain amount of screens. But that's what happens with these movies, is they just get dumped. I remember, I don't know if this counts or not, but I remember, uh, you remember the film Fanboys? Oh, uh, that's a prime example. Grand example. Yeah. I remember uh, a trailer for that came out, um, 
I forgot how long beforehand, but it came out, and then for the longest time, nothing was heard from the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it finally got released. Barely. I'm not even sure it got released into theaters. It got a minimal. Yeah. It got a contractual release. Yeah, Because Roger yeah, Ebert yeah. reviewed it uh, not very well. Uh, I've never seen it. Um, I haven't either. I don't have any real interest in it. Um, meh. Uh, it, you know what? I'm... I, I Yeah. I, I don't know. Um... I've heard one good joke about, I've heard one good joke from the film and that's about it. So, yeah. Which is apparently the last line of the movie is someone is the character sitting down to watch the Phantom Menace and then someone goes, hey, what if this sucks? Uh, Okay, that's a funny way to address the fan reaction. I don't often find those. Um, I'm trying to think, there's so many movies that just, they sit on the shelf and they're just, they're not good. Um... There are a few good. There are a few good ones that 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 go through that process. Um, Tucker and Dale versus Evil took a while to find uh, a yeah. a distributor and get released, and that's an awesome movie. Uh, indie. If an indie film sits on the shelf for a bit, like, but and I'm defining the shelf as between when it debuts at a festival and when it actually gets released, it might it might not actually be a bad movie. It's just a case of they they're trying to figure out how to market it. They did a really good job with the marketing on that one because they did an extensive play to the South where we ate it up. We loved it. Um, that movie's very popular with a lot of my friends, um, as it should be. I bet. <laughs> yeah, it's, because it's it's a movie that's smart about Southerners. Uh, but again, a lot of movies... The smartest, the smartest characters in the film are the two rednecks. Exactly. And they're the ones that I logically God, it's just I love that movie so much. Um, <laughs> that was one that I actually had the chance to read the script before the film came out uh, because that because it was stuck in that limbo. And I read the script and I thought it was awesome and I couldn't understand. In fact, that was why when it came out in theaters, I was there uh, within the uh, within the first week because I was like, I really loved this script. I wanted to support the movie and I was happy to see the movie just followed the script to a T. Yeah, and I I typically like absolutely hate 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 uh, comedies that where the entire film is based on a complete misunderstanding that could be solved within the first minute, and that really catered to my sensibilities there because that's what the film is all about. The, the, everybody in the movie is trying to stop and do and handle everything logically. It's just that circumstances yeah. are so chaotic <laughs> that they don't get to, and you understand. They're coming at it from their perspective. Well, yes. Just that one's on Netflix. Please watch it if you haven't seen it. You'll laugh your ass off. Uh, I, it's brilliant. I, although I did mention All About Steve is a movie that sat on the shelf for many years. That's an atrocious movie, and that's really one of the worst movies. Uh, that's one of the worst romantic comedies I've ever seen, mostly because I could tell it thought it was funnier than it was. So um, any other movies that you can think of that like were shelf movies? Um, not really, other than those. Yeah. I mean, I can think of a few that were like, you know, just, again, a good many that just wound up going direct to video. Um, a lot of times if it, if you see one that's conspicuously good, it was legal issues. That was all. But I don't know. I mean, I think when he, I think my final closing thoughts on the weight and development hell are that it's tricky. It's tricky to say if I think that it's a good or a bad thing. I mean, I think in the end, what I pointed out about the fact that a lot of these movies come out and wind up just being okay kind of sums it up. I mean, we never did get in, by the way, 
we only briefly touched on the fact that a lot of the sequels, as I said, are only produced because they have to do something to hold on to the rights. Like Amazing Spider-Man was. Like Amazing Spider-Man was only that. And really probably X-Men First Class, too, if we're honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's a tricky thing. I don't know if it's a good idea. I don't know if it's a bad idea. I don't know. Development, here's the, and I think that here's the real reason why I can't form a firm opinion on development hell. I mean, I wish that a lot of these, because again, some of the movies are movies I hope get made. Some of them are movies I hope never get made. I think in the end, we need to, rather than demonizing it, we just kind of need to accept that it's a reality of the industry. There's going to be movies that are going to get made. It's just part of it. It's a step in the process. Yeah, and movies are a very collaborative art. They're a very... Not only that, but they're a very expensive collaborative art. Very. So, yeah, there are a lot of nuances. Like, it's a miracle that movies even get made. I mean, I mean, there are a lot of movies that come out each year. Each one is a miracle that people, you know... That like so many people come together, like find it in their schedules, and you know get paid to make it, and even more so for indie movies yeah. where they're you know basically doing it for the passion, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Damn, <laughs> I I just I don't know. So, well, we have we have a we have a film tentatively planned for next time. Yeah, we're gonna have some fun next time. Uh, we're gonna have some fun. Uh, we're gonna do something we don't. We're going to, we've been kind of playing in the weirder parts of Netflix and such lately, and we're going to do that again. <clears throat> we're going to cover Justice League War this time. We're going to take a look at, uh, we haven't, we, we have for a period done the comics for rent column, and we're going to kind of give that one a little bit of a, a boost again. We're going to kind of try that a little bit more. So um, I'm going to probably have a couple of reviews that will come out about the same time, but we're going to take a look at one at, uh, because it's on Netflix and we have access to it, one of the ju- one of the Justice League uh, animated movies, and it's a quick, short watch. And we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the entire DC animated uh, direct video project in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they do a they do a really good job with that. They do a good job, and it's an awesome little side thing that you know we're not going to cover, but we're going to cover this specific one, and we're going to give it a look. So. Look for that next time. That's great. So, so I haven't, you know, I've seen a lot of them, but I have not seen any of the Justice League ones, so that'll be fun. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about a couple of others that I've seen. I've reviewed at least one of them for the site. So, uh, but let's cover this one because this is a fun, this will be a fun one to do. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, you can find this at the source of the cast at uh, thefilmer.podbean.com. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, usually comes out the day after there. And rate and review us there, as always. Yeah, you can email us at filmroompodcast at gmail.com. We encourage that. You can find us on our Twitters. Austin is at Untitled User. I am at PrimitiveManPRD. And the cast as a whole is at filmroomcast. And, of course, Harold Ragsdale. You can find him at Cybergun Films. Yeah, you can find this on our Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com slash The Film Room. We have almost 800 likes on there, which is impressive. I am so happy with how the Facebook page is doing. 
you can find us on our side blog, of course. Uh, a lot of stuff going on there. Thefilmroomlobby.wordpress.com. And, of course, last but not least, last but never least, the Patreon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we thank you guys for your continued support. It is very much appreciated. Like, it's it's great not to have to worry about, you know, the cost of running the pod bean. It really is. Um, yeah. And not, not having to worry about space. That is that has been continuously so wonderful. It's it it is, and we and we really want to do some fun stuff with it. Um, the mini sods are very much intended as something to be fun, something for us to do with it. Um, so yeah, we hope y'all are enjoying it. Thank thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Daisy. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Sean from the Totally, and thank you, Nathan. Patreon.com/slash the filmer. Till then, maybe you'll hear this cast. Maybe you won't. Maybe it'll sit on the shelf. <laughs> Bye, y'all. I've been waiting for months, waiting for years, waiting for you to change. Oh, there ain't much that's dumber, there ain't much that's dumber than pitting your hopes on a change in another. And I, yeah, I still need you. What good's that gonna do? Development. Development. Yeah. Yeah.